Are you a business-to-business -business sales leader looking to lead your sales team to new heights? You've come to the right place. Welcome to the Purpose Driven Sales Podcast. Hi, my name is Josh Sweeney, joined by my co-host Taylor Barnes. Taylor, how are you? I'm doing great. Can I tell you why? Why is that? Because I planned my territories ahead of time. And that means I don't have to deal with a lot of the fallout. And today, <laughs> I want to talk more about that. I totally understand that. I feel like I've had so many conversations about realigning and where people didn't think about the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, this is such a topic for, for sales leaders, you know, and, and to be clear, we are talking about creating territories that deliver results. So I don't know if you are in the product or service or healthcare industry or whatever you're in, right? But if you lead a sales-driven organization and you want to lead on purpose, you want to create purpose-driven sales, well, then you have to be very intentional about creating your territories, about where you're going to position yourself, what you're going to position within that, and how you're going to do that. And it starts, number one, in my opinion, Josh, by creating territories that are going to deliver the most results. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you really want to look at what's going to create the most results what kind of issues are you going to run into and what is the long-term effect of those, those territories based on where the organization's going. So you have to have some forward looking vision for this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if it's going, if you're going to plan this, let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons why territory creation goes wrong. First. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Happens a lot. Now, look, I think it's very important that, you know, one of the, one of the things that I think we're trying to accomplish here is as leaders is trying to do this, the right time, the first time, so that you can have an effective long-term plan for your territories. I don't have to, this isn't rocket science. If we switch up the way that we're, you know, assigning reps to different territories every month, well, that's going to be a nightmare, right? We obviously want to create the most impact by creating longevity because we know how long relationships take to build. We know how long the sales cycle is in a lot of different reasons. So doing it the right time, the first time, having an effective long-term plan is obviously the challenge. Now, the reason that this happens, Josh, is I, I think that if you don't change the territory organically, eventually you're, you're going to have issues such as the old sales rep collision, right? No, that's my account. No, that's my territory. No, I called them first. Well, I have an opportunity and you don't, and you're prospecting and I'm I've got a better relationship. There are so many things. And what happens is it just gets tangled. And you look at this territory and it's just tangled with one or more reps having different conversations with different people that could have different parts of the sale. It just ends up being this big Christmas light tangle in those examples. And I know you've seen that, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, through organic growth, you start to just run into different collisions and, and ways that territories go wrong. And a lot of times they're on the fly changes where, you know, they address a problem today, but they don't address a problem you're going to have next year. And, you know, there is a certain amount of balance between that. Uh, but you can definitely look at the organic growth of the organization and plot that a little bit and say, okay, do we need to change this methodology? Do, do we just need to make this change? Or do we need to kind of revamp the whole system with one change to get past it? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the organic growth is just one reason that territories need to be changed over time. Yeah. I think there, there's a lot of reasons that it's good to do this the first time. Uh, one of the other reasons that I think is, is obviously very blatant is that if, if you don't, you're going to end up with 
too large of a territory with lack of focus, right? All of a sudden you're going to be, you know, just trying to take the world by storm instead of really niching down into a specific area or geo where you're going to really make the most impact. Again, guys, we're, we're talking about, you know, niching down appropriately to where you're going to have the most amount of impact in a given territory that you have intentionally assigned to a salesperson or a sales group. And I think, Josh, you have a pretty good story about this with Salesforce, and I would love to hear it. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things I noticed in my CRM background of working with different CRM vendors is, you know, not only does Salesforce like the 800 pound gorilla, but it was really interesting in how they focused their territory. So they would take something like, whereas their competitor would say, Hey, I'm hiring a sales rep for the Southeast and they don't get a whole lot of penetration and they have all this ground to cover. You know, Salesforce takes somebody and says, okay, we're going to give you the northeast portion of the metro Atlanta area (laughs) and you better maximize it, right? That's what you get. And it's really interesting in that, you know, with that level of focus and, and really bringing it down to that level, I think there was a lot of strategy that they really thought of. And I know some people say, well, look, Josh, we're not Salesforce. We don't have the money to go hire somebody for every, you know, small slice of a state. And, and really it's kind of the inverse. You actually don't have the money to have one person try and cover an entire That's region, right. 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 You you could go into the metro Atlanta area and say, this is your area, maximize it. And now they also, they don't have to fly anywhere. They can drive, they can build local relationships better because mm. they can get in front of people. So there's actually all kinds of benefits to thinking about it in inverse and focusing in a given area, geography or vertical or industry or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that we saw with different vendors. And you know, I've also shared in other ways, like uh, Chick-fil-A kind of has the same model too. They're another one of those where a franchisee doesn't own 10 stores. Like in a bigger model, the goal is own more stores, make more money. But Chick-fil-A stores do two to four times what another local franchise does because they, ha- they only really focus on that one store. Now, there are some unique situations where a person may get two stores, but most of their owners and operators have one store, and they really have to maximize their effectiveness in the community. Well, when you have just that area of target, that targeted area, you do everything you can to really penetrate a hundred percent of that area yeah. instead of the example of, well, I'm just going to penetrate and get 5% here and 5% there and 5% there. Like, you know, a roaming sales rep or like another franchise would. Yeah. Um, so too large of an area with a lack of focus, you know, is one example of why territories fall apart and have to be redesigned. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, along those same lines, there are plenty of local business communities out there So quite frankly, the locals know the locals and by you having a focus in a certain area, and if you develop such a great relationship, your chances of getting referred to another local business, whether in the SMB or in the enterprise space, or if there's a, you know, a CIO kind of community out there or a CEO community out there, well, then you stand the best possible chance of getting introduced. And you also have a pretty decent reason then to ask for a referral. Locals know the locals. Community is a very real thing. And by having too large of a focus, you're never really going to be able to take advantage and leverage what kind of you know business communities you could really take advantage of by by getting down and you know very niche down in, into that community. Um, so I think that's another just really good reason in that regard why it's so important to do this right the first time. 
so that you can maximize your presence, Josh. And you're like Chick-fil-A example. That's a good example. Trying to take 100% of that specific area, right? Now, yeah. who knows if it's going to be 100%, but in this regard, if you could take as much business in a specific area, that's very, very practical in that market. If you're able to make the most in a smaller area versus such a bigger area. Yeah. And we talked about this on a previous podcast, but I mean, the impact of the person too is, you know, if I give somebody a whole Southeast region, for example, and then I get a new rep and I give them one of the States, say I give them Florida. Well, now that reps feels I'm taking something away from them. Whereas if I have a rep and I say, Hey, you're only focused on the Metro Atlanta area, penetrating that community, that group. And I get a new rep and I give them uh, South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Miami area then I just added another rep that's got another focus, right? And there's no strife. There's no issue there. So you can really, you know, figure out how you want to design it from the beginning and what those pros and cons are. What's mm -hmm. um, another reason I think this happens, like the issues with territories come up is a lot of people don't really go out and I don't feel like they at least research and talk to other people who have designed territories and say, what all did you run into, right? So they just kind of consistently organically change it as they grow and go, okay, well, we got a new rep here. So take it away from this guy, <laughs> right. add it to this lady and, mm -hmm. and boom, there's our territory. When, when in fact, I think if we go out to some experts and do some research, we'll start to really quickly figure out how we might want our territories to look for the next five years. Yeah. And what a great segue into the different types of solutions that you could come up with to do this at the right time. So when we look at sales leaders out there and, and being intentional with how they go about their business, you know, purpose-driven, I would say that we've got a handful of different ways to do that. But I think the three most common Josh, are probably company size, geography, and verticals, just to give you yeah. the three most common ones that we hear about in a lot of different business. So what do I mean by company size? Well, there's a lot of different ways that you can slice this up. You could slice this up by employee count, user count, uh, office count, franchise count, wh whatever it is. For the most part, just at a big macro level, large corporate enterprise versus small business, SMB. That tends to be uh, the most the easier ways. And one of the easier solutions to come up with territories is uh, understanding if it's a corporate enterprise account or a small to medium business. And I imagine in, in your world, Josh, you, you probably see a lot of this when it comes to some of the marketing efforts that, that go out where they tend to blend them. They just go after, they have the same message to the people that are an enterprise or an SMB and just what a nightmare, right? Yeah, I mean, there's no way to blend SMB and enterprise sales because the marketing messaging, the length of the sales cycle, the effort from a legal perspective, the experience of the sales rep are all completely different, mm -hmm. just completely different on every level. Um, so the resources are not even the same. And uh, it's when you treat them the same that you get kind of uh, the mediocre results. So we do see a lot of people split by company size. And sometimes it's not even company size. Sometimes it's just deal size. I've seen a lot of that where, you know, they're yeah. like, oh, well, this gets routed to this person because it's enterprise, but they're only signing a 10 seat license. It's like, well, 10 seat licenses don't, we're, we're not going to do that. Right. Mm. And there's rules and things that you have to put in place for that. But yeah, definitely company size as another solution. Yeah. Agreed. That, that, that's a good one. And again, slice that up however you want, but company size and figuring out what, you know, makes the most sense for you is, is, is a great, great hack. Another one that I find a lot is, you know, is, is geography as we talked about. So 
Let me give you an example. We have a lot of, uh, in our business, we've got a lot of technicians that go out all over the world. And one of the reasons why we have employed that model instead of hiring W-2s all over the world, we work with the local independent contractors. The reason that we do that is because they understand the local geos. They, They have the local knowledge. They have the culture. They have the language. They've got this feel that a lot of people that don't live in the area have. And that's an immediate advantage. Now, whether you want to talk about perception from the client's point of view or just general cultural alignment, just to make the customer experience better, that, that is an area that I can assure you, you know, is, is a good thing. So when we talk about, you know, territory driven and whatnot, make sure that you're looking into geography to take advantage or to leverage as much of that local knowledge as you can. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of of geographical focus, and and that can depend on also you know the size and the types of deals, right? If you only sell to Fortune 1000, then you're you it's hard to focus geographically because you don't have a density. But in a lot of businesses, where especially in the SMB market, where you do have a density, you know, having that rep feet on the ground in that location, all of their budget, all of their focus goes into you know, getting inroads into those communities and the local events and the local associations, I think has the, the biggest possible impact that you can have mm. um, as far as the, a sales rep really getting traction instead of focusing in lots of different areas. Again, that geography can change based on the size of the company you're going after and really what the density of your, of your prospecting, ideal customer prospect profile looks like. Yeah, and look, many times, and I'm sure you've seen this, just in those first two examples, company size and geography, there, there might be some cross-pollination in terms of, you know, how you structure a territory. There might be a combination of those two, but being able to do your research, go at the local level, do your research, understanding the size of the organization or the deal size, all those things are going to help you structure the type of territory for the long term. So it doesn't have to be chopped up and changed all the time. And the, and the last one, not the last one necessarily, but the last one in our examples are in the verticals. And yeah, specific to verticals, I do mean industry types. Now, one thing that I love about this step, Josh, is there is a side effect to creating a territory within the verticals, and that ends up looking like a subject matter expertise. So you have healthcare, for example. You are now pitching the exact same message to the same different customers that have the same challenges. They have the same obstacles. They have the same regulations that they need to follow. If they're in a specific vertical, there's not a ton of, you know, just, uh, just change when it comes to your approach to a deal, your sales cycle, there might be some, some time differences and whatnot. It might take longer and, you know, based on company to company, but if you are industry specific, vertical specific, that will give you a leg up on the competition because you're going to know what your common objectives are. You're going to know what the common challenges are through that they have to deal with. And you're going to start, you're going to start developing this subject matter expertise in that vertical. So you can put yourself in their shoes a whole lot easier than someone that doesn't really understand the vertical. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, vertical seems like one of the one of the best ways to go because you can carve out that vertical. You can build marketing content that speaks to that vertical. You can get multiple case studies in a vertical. You can start to speak their language and learn their language, which always resonates more. And I think this is where a lot of people get tripped up is they're like, well, we sold this deal and we can do the same thing over here. It's like, yeah, you can do the same thing over here. But you are restarting in a way that you might not have the sales enablement content that speaks to that vertical. You know, anytime that marketing content is too broad, it speaks to nobody. 
mm-hmm. right? And you can still use it. It'll still get you through some deals, but the content that speaks directly to that person, that title, that vertical, the more specific, more specific it is, the better it speaks to them. And the more they also see your industry experience and also trust you, right? So anytime somebody goes out and has six different competitors they're comparing to, and you have three exactly in their vertical that speak their language that are, you know, customers of yours, you're one of those six that are, that are competitors, you know, on their short list, then they can, they're really going to trust you because of all the information you're providing. I love the way you said that. If you're marketing to everybody, you're marketing to nobody. That's so true when it comes down to this. Now, one of the things that you said earlier about verticals, um, I, I want to leave everybody with this. I agree that that it's probably one of the easiest and the best to carve out territories in for the reasons that we just went over. And I mean, when you talk about verticals, you've got a product or service that probably does not fit with every vertical out there. So find the ones that it does, whether it's in manufacturing, healthcare, financial services, whatever the vertical is, if you've got a product or service that feeds into that, then, then lean in, lean into that vertical. And then maybe, as we talked about earlier, we can cross pollinate with some company size, really, I mean, continue to niche down, niche down, niche down until you are creating the best possible area for your sales efforts, marketing to close in a specific area that's going to deliver the most results from creating these territories. That's exactly what we're trying to accomplish here. You have to do this by on purpose. Yeah, most definitely. And it's important to keep that any of these can be overlaid and overlapped and combined, right? So if somebody's going to focus, you have a sales rep that focuses on fintech in Georgia, then, you know, they have a geographical and vertical focus. And that's another thing to keep in mind. I mean, certain cities have very different groups of audiences, right? So if you think about Atlanta, we're a big uh, fintech hub. We're also a big information security hub. Whereas you may go into another city and say, well, we really want to do information security in uh, New York. Well, you might find that, you know, it's probably better to have another fintech salesperson in New York than somebody doing information security, right? Because each one of those states and each one of those metro areas are are prone to having certain um, concentrations of audiences. So that's another thing that can go into the research to say, how do I want to build a company over time? How do I want to grow the sales team and set the territories? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, uh, I was just kind of laughing to myself. One of the things that I, that I just know, one of the benefits of doing this, not just to make sure that you deliver the most results, but talk about what an easier way to manage. I mean, what an easier way to manage when you have that level of detail into how you structure your territories. Well, now as a sales manager, for an example, you can speak the same language to your reps in that vertical. You can speak your same language to the reps in that geography. Instead of having the same management strategy or maybe the same, I don't know, KPIs and strategy and pitch and support, now you're able to really get down and start you know, supporting the language that they speak with their customers. So just as a general hack here, I think this is going to make it a whole lot easier to manage. In fact, I'm actually going to go look again at the territories that I've already created to make sure that I'm niching down appropriately, Josh. Because again, I don't want to have to deal with the fallout when we have to change. I'm not saying it won't. It absolutely will. But if I don't have to change them as often, it is going to make our lives much easier. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, if you spend a few hours to really think through it up front, you could save yourself 
weeks of headaches and, and team headaches and team challenges and, and upset and upheaval uh, in the future with a little bit of effort. So with that, we have our final question. Are you planning your territories and do you have a written territory plan that you can follow? And this has been Purpose Driven Sales with Barnes and Sweeney. Now go lead on purpose. Thank you for joining us on the Purpose Driven Sales Podcast. If you've enjoyed the content, the best thing you can do to support us is go out to iTunes and give us five stars so that we can continue to reach more sales leaders. Thank you.